Hello and welcome to this podcast trailer of Sam's Alternative slash Sam Saturday 4 Hours of Power podcast 2 of 3 part 1. On this part of the podcast I'll be chatting to Tim from Palace of the King from Melbourne, Victoria. We'll be chatting about how the band formed, how they came up with the band name, what the response has been like for Tear It Down. We'll talk about their upcoming tour of Australia as well next month and their forthcoming album. We'll also play Tear It Down on part 2 music of the podcast. So why don't we get into the chat with Tim from Palace of the King and let's hear what he has to talk about. Oh, you got me? Yeah, got you, Tim. How are you, mate? Yeah, not too bad. Yourself? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Now, this works much better. Um, Yeah, I had nothing on this afternoon up until... What was meant to be the interview, so this worked in perfectly for me. Oh, so great. Thanks, you look mate. around your schedule. Well, we were supposed to be on a flight at um, 11 a.m., <laughs> which got cancelled, and then oh, we changed to another airline, and then which was then 1.30, and then they delayed it till 2.30, so it just kept getting delayed and delayed and delayed. Oh, that's cruelty at its best. <laughs> uh, now I'm going to be in the air. <laughs> yeah, can't really do a podcast interview on an aeroplane. Probably no, not a good idea. that's right. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah, I appreciate you moving it around for me, Sam. Oh, no, no, I'm flexible and um, this doesn't bother me whatsoever because I'm not leaving Melbourne till about, fr- uh, sorry, Warrigal to go to Melbourne till about three o'clock, so there's ample time, so... No, that's perfect, mate. Thank you. Well, I actually probably should introduce Tim because people are probably listening to this interview thinking, is Sam talking to Tim who's just a normal person he picked up off the street? No, Tim <laughs> is the vocalist of Palace of the King who are yep. a old bluesy rock band from Melbourne, Victoria who just dropped their newest single, Tear It Down, only a matter of, what, three, four weeks ago? It can't be that long ago already, can it? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> no, but loving the tunes, Timmy. I'm loving Palace of the King. I'm so glad Glenn put me on to you guys because um, your music, I feel like it's got a bit of Led Zeppelin, Black Keys feel about it. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. You're on the money there, Sam. We love... We love the, you know, the old school stuff as well as the, you know, we love Rival Sons and Jack White. Um, so there's a lot of different influences, even Greta Van Fleet, you know. Um, so it's it's um, it's definitely guitar driven stuff, and I'm uh, screaming over the top of it, my man. <laughs> yeah, but um, I can definitely see Greta Van Fleet and Rival Sons in Palace of the King as well, definitely. Especially um, Dead End Blues. I feel like that sounds like sort of some Greta Van Fleet, like Highway Tune Safari song vibes about it. I don't know if that's what your thoughts are on it or not. Yeah, well, we, it was it was just, uh, just you know, we, we love playing blues stuff. And every now and then we do a thing called Palace of the Blues. And we do blues gigs. Um, and so, yeah, I, I wasn't really, didn't really have Greta Van Fleet in mind when doing that. But, um, yeah, I was just like, I just wanted like a dirgy, heavy, bluesy riff. And, uh, and that's, that's where Dead End Blues came from. 
Mm, it's a great song. So if you're hearing this podcast interview afterwards, please check out Palace of the King because they are awesome. They're touring around Australia in a few weeks as well that we probably will get to in a little while. To, um, yeah, awesome. Thanks. Yep. Yeah. But um, no, the um, uh, thing is, a lot of people wonder, you know, how do I come across these bands and when there's so much Australian music out there, how do I keep up on it? So for those that don't know, Glenn is a guy who is on, in Shotgun Mistress, obviously, but also does a lot of the radio promo interviews around Australia for local radio stations and podcasts. So a lot of these bands... For example, Palace of the King, this is where I came across them because Glenn sent me through Tear It Down as a single press release and that's where I got hold of Palace of the King, obviously. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, Glenn's a great guy and great supporter. Mm, no, the guy that loves supporting the local music scene more than anyone I know, to be honest. Yeah, well, we need we need more people like that, mate. We need more of them. And, uh, yeah, thank Thankfully, and and uh, Glenn's band, Shotgun Mistress, are doing a tour in December as well. That's right, because you're playing in Melbourne on Monday the 18th of December. Now, I've got the date and the day right. Um, is it, it's in Thornbury, I know that, but I think I've got going to have the wrong place in mind. It's called Shot Kickers. Oh, yeah, see, I had the other venue in mind, yeah, that Shot Kickers. In Thornbury on the 18th of December. So if you haven't got your tickets, make sure you yeah. get them. Come along and use it as your uh, your Christmas break-up party, I reckon. Yes. Uh, Shot Kickers is one of the only venues, surprisingly, in Melbourne I haven't actually been to. So it might be time to attend Shot Kickers and check out Palace. Come along, mate. Shotgun. <laughs> yeah, come along, come along. And we, we've also got Stone Trip opening the show, so it's going to be a great lineup. Of uh, homegrown Melbourne rock and roll bands, and yeah, we're looking. That'll be the last show on our tour, and uh, we're looking. Apparently, Monday nights at Shot Kickers are a great night to hang out. Usually, it's always packed, so come along, friends. Yes, I I don't work Monday nights, Tim. So ninety nine point nine percent likely, I will be there. I would oh, almost awesome. put everything on it that I'll be yeah, at. That sounds great, mate. I look forward to it. So, um, yeah, December's actually looking like a pretty busy month gig-wise for me already, and this, it hasn't even started because I've got your gig, I've got Sanctuary that's in Frankston, a heavy um, music festival on the 9th, and I've got a couple of others maybe lined up earlier in yep. the month as well. So, Yeah, awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, during these podcast interviews generally, Tim, uh, I ask, the guest a whole heap of questions. I've put you on Again, Tim, you got me. Yeah, I don't know what happened there. I think no, it might be the weather playing tricks. <laughs> yeah, no worries. 
All right. Um, before it rudely cut me off, I was just... <laughs> you were going to ask me some questions. Yeah, so um, for those that don't know, this is the first time this has actually happened where um, Tim asked me not to send the questions through before the interview, so it'll be all on the spot. So I, was I like spontaneity, mate. Spontaneity is good. I, I reckon that's a good idea, actually. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, I want to do more of these interviews where you put the bands on the spot, but I don't want to feel like it's too uncomfortable or there's a question that maybe not is appropriate. So, <laughs> yeah, no, we'll be right, mate. We'll be right. No worries. And also, be as, I'll be give... as inappropriate as you want. Oh, I don't have many inappropriate questions on the <laughs> interview, actually. <laughs> Third time, third time lucky, buddy. Yes. All right. Well, yes. Um, before I said no inappropriate questions, also if Tim wants to ask me any questions at the end, feel free to ask anything, Tim. Nothing off limits. Ah, sounds great, mate. All right. Well, the first question off the cab, you've probably been asked this a few times. How did the band Palace of the King form? It was uh, a bunch of young rock and roll musos from Melbourne. Put it, they they put a band together. They didn't have a singer. Yeah. And um, and one of the guys, the drummer actually, Anthony, um, saw me singing with Bruce Kulick from Kiss uh, at the Corner Hotel, and then he thought this guy would be a good singer for our band. Um, they sent me their instrumental songs that they didn't have any singing on yet. I loved them. Recorded my vocals on them. They loved that. And we were away. Wow. Yeah, that's, it was awesome. That's a really good backstory, actually. That's... <laughs> and they were great. They were just like their instrumentals were just really good. So as soon as I heard them, I thought, yeah, I really want to do this. Um, and yeah, and they loved what I did over the top of them. And then from there, the, you know, that was kind of the, the songs that we had on our first EP, which is on Spotify. Um, so we just, you know, recorded them again properly. But uh, and ever since then, we've just been constantly writing and recording. I find it interesting. The most, uh, I love hearing the backstory. The most interesting thing I found with what you just said, Tim, was the fact that they saw you at another gig playing in a band at the corner hotel and they said we want this guy to be part of palace of the king i think there needs to be more of that in the music industry i reckon <laughs> yeah
Mate, you're going to have some editing on your hands. Yeah. I don't know what the hell is going on at the moment. Like, yeah, is it, is it, um, I don't think, I don't think I'm bumping anything with my head. No, so why is it? And my reception on my phone is like four bars. Yeah, so me what, too. I have no idea what's going on. But... Nah, sorry, buddy. We'll get our way through it. I feel really bad because it's like it's, we're going to have to edit this and sort of cut it up into bits and pieces. So if anyone's listening to this, if there's three or four parts to the interview, it's not <laughs> playing tricks on you. It's actually what's happening at the moment. But we will get there, hopefully. We will get there, my friend. No. But just before, again, rudely interrupted, um, uh, we were talking about how the band formed and how you were playing a show at the Corner Hotel with Bruce from Kiss and Callis the King came to the gig and saw you and said they wanted to have you as the vocalist. That's pretty cool, I reckon. Oh, yeah, I was wrapped. It was so exciting for me to be able to sing those classic 80s era his songs and he was uh, he was a great guy and also a great guitarist so it was it was a great way to sort of showcase my vocal talents because I wasn't playing guitar at all I was just singing and, uh, and the boys the boys liked it enough to ask me to be part of their band which was great too. So question did you know any of the other members of Palace of the King before they approached you? No. No, it was all, um, they were just a bunch of young dudes who were starting out, very inexperienced, but um, just lots of raw talent. So once I joined and we started writing and recording, we didn't have a name yet, but um, we started playing. We had a residency at Revolver in Melbourne. Yep. Every, every I think it was every Monday or Tuesday. It was early in the week, and um, we did that for maybe... Oh, we did it for months. And I think in the first year we did 100 gigs. And we, we did lots of gigs for for years to really just, you know, get the band really worn in and feeling, like, really tight. And the, the, they were great. It was a really good time. 100 gigs in the one year? That's, like, two a week pretty much. That's insane. Yeah, no. Yeah, we were working real hard. There were there was one year there we had two hundred and fifty gigs, uh, so we used to tour real hard. And we'd go to Europe. We've been to Europe three times. Been to America twice. Uh, you know, we used to tour supporting bigger bands like Airborne and the Tea Party and Screaming Jets, Baby Animals, Rose Tattoo, The Angels, uh, James Rain, all these bands we used to tour with. And then we used to do our own shows as well. So, there, yeah, it was, we were really busy. And we did it all driving. <laughs> we never got on a plane. Oh, my God. That just shows even more dedication, Tim, that the fact you drove everywhere, not flew everywhere, for 250 gigs. That's yeah. a lot of, yeah. that's a lot of a, petrol. <laughs> it's a lot of petrol, but it's a lot cheaper than trying to fly five or six people. Yeah, that's actually a fair point, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Especially across Europe and the US, like five or six people could easily be, oh, yeah. oh, I don't know, four or five grand per trip probably easily. Yeah, and you 
can't be doing that when you're not you, you'd be spending more than you're making so we um yeah obviously we flew to europe and then we drive everywhere and we flew to america and then we drive everywhere but yep. in australia we we never flew in australia except for um tasmania obviously because there was no way around it yeah that's a fair point because you could drive to sydney and brisbane and yeah. adelaide oh yeah we've done it a heap of times and this tour that we've got coming up in december to launch the album we start on uh on the 14th in the gold coast 15th brisbane 16th sydney 17th canberra 18th melbourne it's all driving yeah so we're working well, hard still to this day that's yes yeah, so that's only what three weeks away not even that till yeah the i know we can't wait to get in the in the in the van together and start touring again. Yes. And um, I hate to bring up this word, but um, COVID certainly, yeah, the last two up. and a half years, I think everyone's just wanting to play gigs and tour anywhere in Australia. Oh, anywhere. yeah. We had a couple of um, a couple of years there where we tried to put tours on through, you know, like sometimes the lockdowns would be on and then they'd open up and things were sort of on again, off again. We had... I don't know, probably four tours that were booked and then cancelled. So we just thought, oh, let's just wait. Um, And now this tour, as we came out of COVID, um, I got asked to play guitar for John Stevens. Cam got asked to play drums in Screaming Jets. And Shawnee, our keyboard player, got asked to play keyboards with James Rain. So we've all been really busy since the pandemic finished playing with those guys, it's been a bit hard to find time for a palace tour, but we finally found one to launch the album in December. We can't wait. Yeah. And no better time than I reckon in December, end of year, summer. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Just We're hoping people just use it as a Christmas breakup kind of thing, you know, come along and especially up north, it'll be beautiful weather up there. Mm. See, I'm originally from Queensland, so I love the warm weather yeah yeah Uh, probably as much as i love going to gigs i probably won't make it to the queensland or brisbane show but fair enough fair enough (laughs) you you kind of shock kickers mate don't worry about it no worries i think if it wasn't around christmas and it didn't work in hospitality i might have a chance of doing it yeah right yeah, hospitality in December don't go well together, obviously. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. It's a very busy time. But you're always welcome to jump in the van with the palace, mate, any time. You let me know. Yeah. And I'll be continuing to play Palace Boys on the podcast. I am going to play Tear It Down on part yeah, awesome. two as well. So. Right. And, of course, actually, just a bit of an update on today's podcast episodes. Both will be uploaded, actually, a bit earlier than first expected. So I'll send these to you probably around 4, 4.30, Tim. Fantastic. So, yeah, so it's just a lot more has been done before this interview. So I just expected it would take longer, but obviously it didn't. So No, no, that's awesome, mate. Thanks. All right. Well, how did you come up with the band name Palace of the King? We, when at that residency that I mentioned that we were doing um, at Revolver, we would, it was a basically a battle of the bands. And at the end of every battle of the bands, we would play a set because I was just trying to get these boys 
more experienced and tighten things up and write more songs and get our show running. Um, and we used to play, we didn't have a name, we used to play uh, Freddie King's song, Palace of the King, in the set. And I remember one night, just out of frustration, because there were so many of us in the band, we couldn't agree on a name. And I just said to the audience, look, if you can think of a name, let me know, because we're trying to name the band. And a guy came up to me and said, yeah, mate, you've got a cool band, Palace of the King, name it after that song. And I went, oh, hello. That was a great idea. And they all, everyone agreed. We were all excited. So we left there that night with a band name. It's interesting. That's a new story I haven't actually heard much, is bands that have a um, band name after a song they play yeah. in the set. I think that's the first time I've ever heard that story, actually. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. No, no, we used to play that song. It was a great idea. I wouldn't have thought of it until the guy said it. He said, you should name your band after that song. It's a great, great, great name for your band. So uh, that's what we did, mate. And we were away. And it rolls off the tongue as well when you say Palace of the King. It's got a good ring to it, I reckon. Yeah, I agree. And if you don't know about the song, it just sounds like this kind of really, you know, trippy, psychedelic rock band. And that's basically what we are. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with psychedelic rock, Tim. No, There's not at all. Not at all. I love it. Especially here in Australia, I've noticed. There's a lot of good psychedelic rock bands around Australia at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's a great, great scene. Mm. Actually, come to think of it, the scene here in Australia right at the moment is the best I've seen in quite some time. So that's... Yeah, isn't it great? And so many of these bands are are doing great, great business overseas, you know. It's... uh, the, you know, the Southern River Band and Amel and the Sniffers and King Gizzard, you know, it's really it's huge stuff. Yeah. Oh, I can't think of Amel and the Sniffers become like... Yeah, crazy. So yeah, two or three years ago, just starting out, and then they toured with the Foo Fighters and played with Smashing Pumpkins. I mean, shit, that's huge. It is huge, but uh, that's what happens when you've got a superstar in front of your band, mate. You just get a superstar in front of your band and you're away. <laughs> she is, that's what she is. She's got more, more charisma than anyone I've ever seen. She's unreal. I mean, and I think we're starting to see it a lot more here in Australia when the big names come down under that the yep. local up-and-coming bands are starting to be on the bill, I've noticed. Yeah, yeah well, I think that's largely due to um, there's a lot of people working in the background that have been working in music industry in australia for a long time and uh and they're still doing it and still very well connected and still have great ears and eyes for for new exciting acts and so i think you find a lot of times you know these these bands that get on these big tours they're, they're on there because of these old legends in the industry who have um, always been there and always had a good eye and ear for talent, and they still do. You know, they, they, they're very supportive of the young bands coming through, which is awesome. And I think a lot of people don't realise, like, um, you know, you don't know who's going to turn up at your gig. Like, no, there could right. be a PR person for the biggest band in the world that yep. wants to see who's a good support for this band coming over from overseas to tour with. I mean... Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes, you know, guys like Dave Grohl discover these bands themselves. You know, social media has changed everything these days. So 
everyone mm. knows everything about everyone else around the world. So, you know, Dave's got uh, obviously good taste in in music and he's a switched on guy and he's got a lot of positive energy. So the fact that he's helping out these other bands is awesome. Yeah, and he seems like a really good bloke altogether, Dave. Not that yeah, I'm I agree. <laughs> yeah, no, I totally agree. But um, just on that support thing, um, a, a mate's band called the Deadbeats, they're from Melbourne, actually just got on the Pennywise oh, fantastic. show. In that's 14, a great name for a band, the Deadbeats. <laughs> Deadbeats, I love the name. <laughs> yeah, it's great. I love it. Uh, my uncle always used to have this thing about if someone was a bit out there, they were a bit of a deadbeat. So it's, yeah, no, it's awesome. Great name for a band. Yeah, no, there's some funny names for Australian bands, and that's definitely one. King yeah. Gizzard's another one, and psychedelic porn trumpets. There's some real creative yeah. ones out there. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> so, what has the overall response been like for Terror Down? Oh, it's been really good. We've been releasing a new song every eight weeks or so off our forthcoming album. Um, Tear It Down's the second last one. We've got one more coming. And then the album comes out on December 14th. Um, and, yeah, just people have been excited to hear new songs and all this, to hear all this stuff we've been working on in the studio. Um, because uh, I produce the albums and I've got a, a access to a really good great studio that we've always we've basically recorded everything in since we started um it means we can go in and record any time so we, we there's never really a time where we're not being creative and not recording um and so we you know as we've been putting these songs out every eight weeks the, the reaction's been awesome and and there's a few different styles a few different songwriters you know everyone in the band writes songs um uh, so no it's been i think people are excited about tear it down because it's really high energy, fast rock and roll song uh, and, and there's not enough of that. There can never be enough of that, Sam. Nah, I've got to agree with you there, Tim. I think <laughs> there needs to be more of it. I know there is a lot of fast rock and roll music out there, but I feel like there needs to be 50% more, maybe. <laughs> I totally agree. And <laughs> and when you've got a drummer like Cam, like we do, uh, you've got to showcase the guy and that's exactly what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And I think also just the point about every eight weeks releasing a single, I feel like that's a good um, average of time between singles. I think two months is a good sort of track record because if you go too soon or too late, it's sort of like people might forget that there's still a few singles to come. I totally agree, yeah. I thought eight weeks was good because it was a realistic time frame to get you know, obviously, music recorded, film clips made, you know, all that sort of press stuff that you have to get organised. And um, and also, like you say, I think it's just enough time where people can start maybe forgetting about it and then suddenly there's a new one, you know, rather than them going, what, again, every four weeks? we, we um, But we wanted to keep in people's eyes and ears and faces and we're finding that eight weeks seems to work really well. I think it's a yeah, very good time frame because also if you say oh, we'll have a single every four weeks, I think that puts more pressure on the band to get stuff recorded and released out to the world. See, that extra four weeks can be like... Yeah, 
and you don't want to sacrifice the quality of the of the music, of course. So, yeah, we we've been finding the eight weeks works well. Not that Sam would know anything about recording or mixing a song because he's never actually released it. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Sam. Everyone's like, why don't you start a band? Ah, <laughs> uh, come on, mate. You, you could, you could uh, come in the studio and record any time you want. I don't even know what I'd call my band. That's probably the well, more the fact is what I'd actually do. Would I be a vocalist, a drummer, a guitarist? I don't know what I'd want to be in a band. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, well, you're a good talker, so maybe you need to be the vocalist, mate. <laughs> I have noticed, though, Tim, the vocalist and drummer seem to be the biggest talkers. And that's oh, no offence really? to these guys. But... Yeah, right. that's interesting. <laughs> that's so funny. I found that out on Thursday night at a gig. I went over to the merch stand and talked to a vocalist. Like, I'll just have a five-minute conversation and I'll go and um, grab a beer or something. Yeah, half yep. an hour later. <laughs> That's funny. And uh, drummers always want a bit of attention because they didn't get any, so that's why they're, you know what I mean? I think also the other thing with drummers, Tim, is yeah. that they probably are looking for someone to help them pack down. So they'll go <laughs> for someone in the crowd to talk to. There you go. There you go. I think you might be onto something there, mate. Well, better watch out at Shot Kickers then. Cam might come over and say, hey, are they due to pack down uh, the that's drums? That's right. That's right. <laughs> That's right, watch out. <laughs> nah, but drummers and uh, vocalists are always good. But as are all the members of the bands, I've never come across anyone that's been rude or snobbish. So, yeah, that's good. Very good. Like, there probably is some out there that keep to themselves, and that's completely fine. But, yeah, obviously, if yeah. you want to be in the spotlight and sort of people come up to you, you've got to be approachable, obviously. Totally agree. But, um, yeah, I just – it's this actually came up in conversation. I was out before and we we're talking about, you know, um, if you see a celebrity or a famous musician or someone when they're not at a gig or they're just having their downtime, do you approach them or not? And my theory is unless someone else goes up to them and it's all right and they're chatting to the person – I don't approach a celebrity in downtime normally. Yeah. Yeah, you've got to be respectful, don't you? Yeah. Like, and, you know, especially, like, one time, this is funny, and it's got a bit of coincidence because Tim is at an airport at the moment. Um, we were at Melbourne Airport going to Bali, and someone spotted out Dermot Brereton in the airport lounge. Yep. And I'm just like, no, I won't go over. And then someone goes, oh, it's Dermy. I'm like, oh, my goodness. Embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he gets it all the time, mate, and I'm sure he doesn't mind. He big, he got big personalities, those footy players. Yeah. <laughs> but um, then I actually went up to him because I, I said to the person, because I knew the person that yelled it out, and they went over and I said, is he okay to actually have a chat? And, and they said, yeah, yeah, he's happy to have a chat. I'm like, all right, I'll go over there. But <laughs> Yeah, right, that's hilarious. <laughs> but um, I'm not a Hawthorne supporter, so it was sort of a bit awkward. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. No, me either. 
Nah, I won't mention my footy team. They're not doing too. They haven't been nah. doing too good for about ten years. No, that's no good. <laughs> anyway, let's maybe get back to Palace of the King and not talk about <laughs> Sam's embarrassing airport encounters. Ah, no stress, <laughs> not at all. But um, I think what I like most about Terra Down for two factors is the real rock sound to it, and. You know, it brings a different dynamic to previous songs. But also, when I find the band's first song, I always find the best song is the one I come across from the band. And because Tear It Down was the first song, I heard of Palace of the King. I think that's why it's my favourite. Oh, yeah, nice. Oh, that's great. I'm, I'm so glad to hear that you've... Um... But you've you've just come on board now after because um, we've been doing it for a while. There's lots of songs up on Spotify, but I'm, I think "Tear It Down" is a great first song to get into the band on for sure. Mm. Mm, we had that. Um, that was mixed by I recorded it, um, but it was mixed by Steve James, who who's always she always does the Screaming Jets records. Um, that's the only song on the album that he mixed. Uh, and he's a great, great old friend. I did some stuff with the Super Jesus with him years ago. Um, and obviously Cam is doing some Screaming Jet stuff with him. So it's, it was a great, great thing to do. Most of the album was recorded by Ricky Ray, who does Baby Animals and stuff like that. Um, and Steve did Just Tear It Down. I mixed one song, One of These Days. And we had, um, oh, I can't remember his name, Jonathan Burnside, who did the first Living End album. He mixed one of the songs as well, uh, Tell It Like It Is. But, yeah, all the rest was mixed by Ricky. But, yeah, so you've the first song you've heard is the one that's mixed by Steve James, who does the Screaming Jet stuff. That's, yeah. And, I mean, the bands you just mentioned there, Tim, they're big-name bands that these people have mixed and produced albums for. I mean, The Living Ants, huge, Screaming Death. Yeah. They've been big for 30-plus years, as have Baby Animals. So it's almost yeah. like the, um, the rock royalty of Australian music you just mentioned there. Yeah, well, it's great for us to be able to, because I can record the uh, albums without it costing us anything. Um, and then I love to get someone else's ears on the mix. So it's great for us because then we can afford to get, um, the, you know, really good, great uh, high-end mixers who are excited to mix the band and we can afford it because we haven't spent all our money recording. <laughs> and you were just saying earlier about how much it costs for airfares to travel by plane. I can't even... Imagine how much recording would cost if you're getting other people to do it. Ah, it's so expensive, yeah. Um, and, and because we're, um, you know, a small independent band, um, a lot of times we're either paying for itself, ourselves or um, currently we're, we have a record deal with, there's a, our record label's called Reckless Records and that's set up by James Rain and... Scott Crawford, and they're um, both really good friends of mine. I, I started playing guitar in James's band back when I was a teenager, so um, it's great to be signed to a record label with creative people who are in charge of it, and they're, they're really, really supportive and, and, and helping us any way they can, which is awesome. 
nah, that's awesome to hear. And it's good to have people like that in your corner. To Absolutely, help. mate. Mm. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, because everyone, any band artist know that um, actually getting your music out there and heard and producing albums, EP, singles, everyone just thinks that a lot in the music scene might think, oh, it's just easy, you just record a song, but it's so much more difficult than that. Oh, it's much more difficult and, and you know, it takes a long time, especially depending on what sort of personality you have. So, um, Sean, for instance, who writes most of the songs with me, um, he will, he works slowly and methodically and takes his time. And so, you, you know, you can spend days in the studio just getting the song right where he's going, yeah, now this is good now. I'm really happy with this. Let's finish it. Um, and if you're paying, you know, thousand, two thousand bucks a day, you'd be sitting there sweating going, hang on a minute, we've got to hurry up. But that's not the case. Um, so when, and we usually like to record live. So we'll just sit around until the song's right and then we'll all play it live. Uh, so we would like to capture that energy, you know. Yeah. Oh, that's, yeah, personalities and also. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and you've got to be supportive and encouraging of people, even if they do work differently. You know, I'm much more of a spontaneous, on the spot, let's do this kind of guy. Um, Sean's much more careful and methodical and goes through the process and uh, that's probably why we write great songs together <laughs> <laughs> well it shows definitely I mean. no definitely some of the best songs i've ever written have been with with sean i'm i'm really happy with um our songwriting partnership and and all and the fact that we can play in this band together and get our songs out there and our music out there it's so good and then when you know you hear someone say they enjoyed it your music or you know, yeah, someone exactly. reviews your song, it means the world to you, obviously. Absolutely, it does. Yep. Totally agree. Mm. Oh. And well, looking at Terror Downstreams, um, 1098 and Dead End Blues has had over 13,000 already. Yeah. So. Yep. Yeah. And then, um, you know, that's what happens every eight weeks. Obviously, a song comes out. So Terror Down's only been out a few weeks. So it takes a while for people to find it, but um, we're happy. We're happy with that. We just figure people will discover us and, um, you know, maybe people that like Dead End Blues will come back and go, oh, they've got another song, tear it down and I'll listen to that one. Or people like you who haven't heard any of our songs will go, oh, this is a good band and you might go and discover some other songs, you know. It's, it's just the way it works these days. My thing is, Tim, how the hell didn't I come across Palace of the King before? Like I don't know, mate. I don't know. Where have you been? Well, I actually, think of it. I'm actually going to theory that out. And how the hell I haven't come across some of these bands that have been around for years hmm. or starting to make it big now? How yep. have I not found them? Like, not a know, mate. Not a know. Shit, I'm not checking Spotify very well. If that's the case. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. They're obviously not recommending the right stuff to you. Or maybe it's now that PR stuff is to come through from Glenn and a few other people that these are the bands that now start to find thanks to yep. PR people, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, who knows, mate. But we're, yeah, we're really happy to have Glenn on board and helping push things along for us on, on Tear It Down. It's been great. 
have you, speaking of airplay, have you had any airplay on radio stations around Australia or the world? Oh, yeah, heaps. Yeah, uh, uh, heaps. And, um, you know, every now and then Triple M will support a song of ours, which has been really nice for us. Um, but, yeah, no, there's radio stations all over the world who play a lot of Palace. Um, Classic Rock magazine in, in England have always been really supportive of us. Um, yeah, no, there's heaps of radio stations that, that, that play us, predominantly, um, you know, independent radio stations, but the big commercial ones get on board every now and then and it's very exciting. We usually mm. find a few more people come to the gigs when that happens. Yeah. Because I think radio, like I know... Um, Spotify is a big player of this, but I think hearing a band song on radio gets a lot of people to say, "All right, I like their music. How about I go and check out a gig when they're in Melbourne or Sydney That's or right, Adelaide, mate. Brisbane, exactly. anywhere?" Yep, no, you're exactly right. And um, I'm a I'm a massive supporter of supporting live music and. That might also be another reason why I've found a lot of these bands is because I've been going to heaps of gigs of these upcoming bands because, yeah, I think that's very important as well in the scheme of things, obviously. Oh, absolutely. Nothing nothing beats um, seeing a great live band with a great live energy. Mm. Imagine if you just walked off the street and Amel and the Sniffers was playing on a stage in some little pub in Melbourne and you just you just go, my God, they're incredible. She's amazing, you know. I mean, I, I think, you know, I like the pub gigs. Everyone's like, oh, I'd much rather go to a stadium gig. I'm like, I would nah. love to go to stadium gigs, but I felt like the pub gigs were more intimate. That you feel like I totally agree. Yeah, usually sounds better too. You know, you get a tight little sweaty pub. Everyone's drinking and having a good time. I don't, there's nothing better. Getting no. the crowd, especially from a band perspective, I love having the crowd right up in front of me in my face. Mm. Instead of paying $300 for one artist, you might see the blob of, really. Yeah, that's true. But, um, yeah, if there's anyone out there listening and is always like, oh, it's a bit too scared to go on my own to live music and all that, don't. Because um, it's the best feeling. You can go there and not speak to anyone, but still have a bloody good time. Yeah, totally agree, yeah. Get out there and support live music, especially live Australian music legends. Mm, Because um, tonight... Tonight's gig, outside of the headlining band, I actually don't know anyone else in the other bands, and plus I know no one that's going, but it's like, no, I'm still going to go because it's a, 10 bucks a ticket, four bands, back yeah, home by, you know, midnight. Yep. Why not? Yeah, why not? And you might discover a great new band you haven't heard of before. Exactly. Yeah, it's awesome. Hmm. Even if it is horrible weather here in um, Victoria at the moment, thunderstorms, it? it's raining. Oh, it was. Right. I mean, actually, I'm in Adelaide was... at the moment, it's quite quite good here. Ah, oh yeah, I've also got to realise it's it's actually twelve thirty over in Adelaide at the moment, not one o'clock. Yeah, that's right, mate. <laughs> oh shit! I probably should have put that in the um, 
interview time that originally was going to be if I'd known you'd been in Adelaide. But anyway, it's all good. No, it doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> uh, favourite, least favourite thing about being a musician? Oh, I haven't got a least favourite, mate. Uh, favourite is just I love it. It's always what I wanted to do ever since I was a little kid, and um, I still love it to this day. It has its challenges. You know, you don't have any job security or anything like that. But um, no, I just, I just love it, mate. I can be creative and make a living writing songs and playing guitar and singing. You know, I'm not complaining at all. I love it. Nah. And if you're a, if you're passionate about it, like Tim is, and everyone in Palace looking. It shows on stage if you're loving what you're doing. Absolutely. Because, like, you've got to be in at 110% because if you're only at 50% or 60%, it might show up on stage. Not that there's been many bands I've seen where it looks like they've been anywhere else than on stage, but... No, I totally agree. The crowd can pick up. If, you, if you're phoning it in, as they say... The crowd picks it up, and they, yeah. they know. Mm. You, can't, you can't do that. Nah. And, um, you know, I think there's been so many gigs I've been to within, I don't even reckon, half a minute. It, I, I realise within probably the first 30 or 40 seconds, yep. if a band's there because they want to, you know, energise the crowd and love what they do, instead of, you know, 30 seconds in and they look like they want to be anywhere else. Yeah, yeah. No, I totally agree, mate. Mm. And, that, like, that's another thing that um, I had the challenge of because I used to do a radio show for community radio in Gippsland. Yep. I had to um, make a very difficult decision to walk away from radio because I used to love doing it, but... The last few months before I walked away, I was starting to feel like I had to go and do it instead of I'm passionate and I want to present a program. Yeah, I think that's, okay. a, that's a very important lesson to anyone out there. If it becomes a chore, re-evaluate. Yeah, yeah, that's right. You know, we all have to make a living. But, um, mm. yeah, if you get – if you get, yeah, you, you really – you can – I think your brain can sort of be subconsciously sending misses to you sometimes and you need to have a listen and, like you say, reevaluate and decide what you want to do from there. And also, like, it was sort of more that I wasn't enjoying, enjoying it, but also that I had I started a new job and the show was every Wednesday and it was sort of like that's four Wednesdays a month, 52 a year. It was sort of getting too much. Yeah, right. See, with Fair podcasting, enough. it's much more easy because there's no timeline, really. Yeah, right. So Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and I've been doing this for three years and I said I'd do it once and look at it and say I've tried something new. If I don't enjoy it after one episode, I'll just say, no, nah, enough's enough. Yeah, awesome. Who was on your first episode? first episode actually <laughs> i probably need to go through spotify again oh, um, right. i think it was it was a friend's he wasn't in it he was in a band but they haven't they hadn't actually really started yep but yep, um yep. i remember listening back to my first 
podcast a few weeks ago. I'm just like, shit, did I sound that bad back then? <laughs> <laughs> well, I've heard, um, I listen to lots of podcasts and I, I remember hearing um, Joe Rogan once saying that, uh, you know, when he listens back to those early ones, he just can't believe how crappy he was, you know. Um, and, and, you know, he obviously wasn't and you obviously weren't. But it's just funny how you look back after you've gotten better and better and better at it and go, ah, oh, now I know what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm one of those people, Tim, that just does not like the sound of their own voice. So. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe podcasting's not the right thing to be doing, mate. Well, radio probably wasn't the right thing to That's do. That's so funny. <laughs> oh, you just need to remember, don't, don't listen back to it because your voice sounds fine. Because yeah. I'm just one of those people, like, I've listened back. To, uh, I listen back probably to every podcast I do now, like, yep. once a week, just to listen to the talking and them. just like, yep. shit, do I actually sound like that? That's <laughs> funny. <laughs> but um, I think we're all very judgmental about how we sound. But if we're clear and understanding... Who cares what your voice sounds like, really? Exactly, mate. And there's nothing wrong with your voice, just so you know. No. So I'm coming across perfectly clear here, Tim? Perfectly clear, and you sound very, very friendly and charismatic, my man. Perfect perfect well, voice for podcasting. Right back at you, because you sound <laughs> very charismatic and very um, friendly and easy to chat to. And... Oh, thanks, mate. It's my pleasure. It, thanks it, for having us. We appreciate the support. I, I will continue to support Palace of the King. Like today is not the last time you'll be hearing Palace of the King on the podcast. Ah, that's awesome. Thanks, Sam. Get the feeling that we could be hearing a fair bit of Palace of the King in the countdown of the best songs of 2023 countdown I'm doing. So I love it. That's awesome. Now, the interesting thing is the countdown actually starts on the same day as Palace of the King's album is released. Ah, oh, December 14. So, it's might eligible. Put the whole album in there, mate. Yeah, it's eligible <laughs> just. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Like, no, obviously, <laughs> obviously, Dead End Blues, Children of the Evolution and Tear It Down are all eligible anyway, but oh, everything go, else mate. will be. So. <laughs> oh, I love it. That's awesome. Thanks. I don't know where you'll be, Tim, in the countdown, no. but you'll be in there somewhere. Yeah, love it. Fantastic. I'll tune in. Mm. And it's I'm finding it a little bit difficult to put this list together. It's nearly done. It's more where do you put the songs in at is the next piece of yeah, the right. puzzle. <laughs> yep. Yeah, right. Well, you know, top top ten, you probably go one to ten be all palace <laughs> album songs and then you can go from there. <laughs> Ooh, <that's... laughs> Controversial, I know. Controversial. Oh, stranger things have happened in countdowns I've done. The, nah. weirdest, the weirdest thing that happened a few years ago, this was back when I was on radio, I was doing the best songs of a certain year, and I'm like, all right, send me through the songs you want me to play in the first part of the countdown. Someone actually sent through a band called Trophy Eyes from Newcastle and New South Wales to come yep. in the first 20 songs. At that year when they had their big album, and like, are you actually serious? This was in my top twenty. 
That's funny. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, but um, no, Palace the King will definitely have ten songs in. I don't know if it'll be one to ten, but <laughs> no, I was only I'll joking, be... fella. <laughs> well, you never know. If you keep um, plugging me away, I might put you in the top ten. But... <laughs> <laughs> no worries. <laughs> Oh, well, we've been chatting to 40 minutes without any um, interruptions. Yeah, well, that's good, isn't it? Well, you just there. have to edit the start together. Yes, I might just have to um, I might put in that <laughs> first six minutes and then that two minute where I asked you the first question and then yeah. use this part, I reckon. That sounds good. Yeah. But um, I'm just a bit weary of how much time you've got, Tim. How are you for time at the moment? We'll have to, uh, I'm just at the airport now and I think our flight's boarding soon, so I'll have to go soon, but I can chat for a bit more, mate. Yeah, no, that's fine. I might ask you just two more questions and then if you want to ask me anything, Tim, you're more than welcome to as well. That sounds good. Uh, Which band would you like to be the support act for? It's an interesting one. Because I'm such a massive KISS fan, I really wanted to support KISS. And believe it or not, we actually got we got asked to support them during the, the tour they were supposed to come here. That was one of those tours that got blown out because of COVID. Yep. Uh, and then when they rescheduled the tour, uh, we weren't available, sadly. So I couldn't do it. So that was just... Purely from for selfish reasons, because I, you know, as a kid, just really, really loved them. Um, but you know, as far as bands that are just great bands, there are so many great, great rock bands out there that we'd love to play with. You know, mm. heaps of them, and and including you know, King Gizzard and Amel and the Sniffers and bands like that. You know, it'd be great to do a great Australian lineup. Mm. I reckon that would draw a crowd too with, you know, Amel and the Sniffers becoming really big and King Gizzard have a pretty strong following as oh, well. Yeah, they're doing really well. Well, and, mm. you know, like, a, like and, you know, the lineup you mentioned earlier with uh, Rival Sons and Greta Van Fleet and Palace, that's a good lineup. That'd be a really good lineup as yeah. well. Yeah. I was annoyed I missed um, Greta Van Fleet last time they were in Australia because I'm a pretty big Greta fan, so. Oh, yeah, I went to the forum show. It was really good. It was yeah. funny, though, because they, they ran out of songs. It was like they only had their festival set, like their 45-minute set, and then they did that. It was unreal. And then, you know, the singer got up and he was playing drums and everyone was changing around. They were just jamming on blues songs. It was weird. But um, <laughs> up to that moment, it was just, Really good, really slick show, and they, you know the the brother on the guitar is killer. Forum's a great venue too. I haven't been there in so long, but yeah, Forum's awesome. Good, um, good location as well. Get off at Flinders Street and it's literally like a five minute walk, if that. It's... Yeah, no, that's awesome. I'm actually doing a show there early next year. I'm playing guitar in Noiseworks because, um, I don't know if you know but it, much about Noiseworks, but a few years ago, sadly, Stewie Fraser passed away, who was the original 
guitarist in Noiseworks. So um filling in his shoes for a Noiseworks tour and there's a show at the Forum. So uh, you'll have to come along, mate. Let me know and I'll get you a ticket. All right. Well, I have only got actually two gigs planned for next year, so I need to build up that gig. There you go. I'll help you fill it up, mate. Oh, that's three then. No, four actually. Sorry. Um, your one with Noiseworks, Blink-182, and there's another one early next year. So oh, yeah. Awesome. Uh, I wonder where half my money goes sometimes, Tim, and I look at my bank account, tickets for gigs. <laughs> there you go. God love you. Supporting supporting um, not only Australian music, just music in general. Good on you. Yeah, nah. But, um, yeah, I think it's very important to keep the scene alive and check out these bands. Everyone's like, oh, what does one stream, what does one ticket mean? It's like it means more than you would actually realise. Absolutely, mate. No, totally. It all adds up. Mm. Because, um, you know, if you buy one ticket to a show and, uh, you know, you go along and see them and someone asks you, oh, how was this show? For example, like, how was the Palace of the King show? Yep. And someone says, oh, you love it. The person yep. you're talking to will now then go buy a ticket for the next time they tour or play again. That's right. That's how it happens, mate. Word of mouth. It's very important. It certainly is. And everyone, there's a few people I've heard, and I know there's reasons why we had to watch them on Facebook stories and Instagram and all that. But um, the ones that say, I'd rather watch it on a Facebook story, it's just like, it's not the same as you get. No, absolutely. Totally agree. Mm. So, yeah, I took a break from live music a few weeks ago, but um, I felt sort of out of my depth there because I was at home. I'm just like, why am I not at live music? And then I'm like, because I just needed a break. Yeah, right. Yeah, fair enough. Sometimes but, you need to give your ears a rest too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but um, no, I'm back to it and got a lot happening in the next few weeks. So yeah, cool. Nah, great to hear. All right, well, my last question, and then Tim has the floor. He can ask me any of the hard-hitting questions. Nothing's off limits either. The question is, what advice would you give Ben slash artists starting out? Um, my advice would be just be a good person and be friendly and work hard on your craft. Write lots of songs and work hard. Don't be afraid to work hard. You know, a lot of young bands will go, oh, I've got a gig in Sydney. Let's all fly there and hire a back line. And, and it's all so hard. And it's just like, no, get in the car and drive and take your gear with you. It's great fun. It's awesome fun. And if you really love it, you just got to work really, really hard because you have to, Basically, it's a 24-hour-a-day job. I'd just say work hard is the main thing. But, you know, only if you love it. If you don't love it, then maybe you're better off just going and getting a normal job and just doing music for fun, you know. If you want to make it a career, you need to work hard and you need to practice hard. Uh, very, very, very sound advice there, Tim. And I, I think, yeah, that's the important thing. Like, it's, I think road trips as a band is a lot more fun than 
an aeroplane trip. Like, obviously, if you're going overseas, you obviously have to fly there in Tasmania. Yeah, but, that's right. But, like, to Sydney, like a town hour drive to Sydney, you know, it's much more fun than an hour flight, really. Yeah. No, we love it. We love it. Mm. We just, we get to, um, you know, the dog on, dog on the tucker box and we we pull over and we have some lunch and get some fuel and then we drive to the gig. It's great fun. Yeah. So the, I'm trying to think, I know I've been past the dog on the tucker box, but I'm trying to picture the town it's actually in. And I can never remember the place where it is. Oh, it's... um. The Gundagai? No. Gundagai, that's it. Yeah. I get Gundagai and Holbrook mixed up. Well, they're in the same area. But... Yeah, they're in the same area. But you go through <laughs> through Holbrook, Holbrook, and then yeah, you get to Gundagai. We always yeah. try to get from Melbourne to Gundagai and then have a break, have some fuel, get some lunch, and then we continue on. And the, that area is actually quite nice because you've got Yass up that way as well. Yep. Well, so, Yass, yeah. I, it's funny. It's not that far after the, afterward, but I think... Usually when we get to Yas, I feel like we're almost there. <laughs> yes. It's hilarious. When you're driving well, that like, far, it all kind of, you know. Well, I guess that, that's a fair point. Like, Yas isn't actually that far from Sydney, really. Well, yeah. I mean, like, if you were driving to Yas and that was your destination, you probably feels like a fair way. But when you're uh, driving from Melbourne, you get to Yas, you go, ah, oh, we're almost there. <laughs> <laughs> I remember we did a crazy road trip from Warrigal to Coffs Harbour. So we stopped at Canberra on the first night and then did Canberra to Coffs Harbour in the day. And that just, that was a bloody long trip. Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. We did um, <laughs> we did a gig in Frankston supporting, um, Ah, uh, what's his name? The guy from Queens of the Stone Age, the bass player. Not Nick uh, Oliveri. Nick, no. yeah, yeah, Nick Oliveri. We did a gig with him in Frankston, and then we got in the van with our gear, and we left. And the next night, we played in Noosa. Holy crap! That's a long way. <laughs> yeah, we just drove without stopping. We didn't stay anywhere. We just drove straight there. Fucking hell! we got there. We got there just before, like an hour before we went on stage. That that is a fair, that's a very good effort actually. That yeah, it was hardcore. We just wanted to do both gigs, you know. We wanted to play with Nick, but we also wanted to do the gig in Noosa because that was supporting the Angels. And um, yeah, we did both gigs. It was great. So for those who don't know where Noosa is, it is in Queensland, but it's not just over the border. It's no, yeah, it was about, it's, it's past Brisbane. Yeah, because I actually know it because Noosa we actually. We didn't live there for very long, but it was about a year or two. So I know Noosa actually pretty well. Oh, Noosa's a beautiful part of the world. Because mm. Sammy is a Kingaroy boy, for those who are wondering why I know Bris uh, Queensland so much. Nice. Yep. In Kingaroy. There you go. So, yep. Same Love hometown as um, Matt Matthew H um, Hayden was... Born in oh, right. Kingaroy. So, I didn't um, know that. I thought he grew up in Melbourne. No, nah, originally born in Kingaroy, apparently. Right. So, Sam's got a long way to go to be as famous as Matthew Hayden, obviously. 
<laughs> oh, I was just talking about him the other day. <laughs> oh, one of the great, well, arguably the greatest opener Australia's ever had, I reckon. <laughs> Absolutely. Big call, I know, when you've had like Mark Taylor and Justin Langer and so many other great openers, but I think he's got to be up there. I totally agree. Oh, all right. Well, there are all the questions that I had for Tim to ask. So now the shoe's on the other foot. Tim can ask me any of the hard-hitting questions. All right. Well, here's a hard-hitting question for you, Sam. Who's your favourite band? Oh, shit. <laughs> um, okay. Is it Australian or worldwide? Nah, or worldwide? Any band. Any band any anywhere. Band. Oh, far out. <laughs> I'm going to step on some toes here, aren't I? Come on, mate. You need to commit. All right. I think right at the moment, worldwide, I've just got, I'm obsessed with Queens of the Stone Age and have been for 20 plus years. Oh, well, then... you can't go wrong with Queens of the Stone Age, mate. No, and a lot of people were iffy about their new album, but I actually thought since um, Era of Vulgaris, I think this is their best album. Okay, nice. Well, I haven't, I haven't heard it yet. I'll have to check it out. No, I think it, it sounds more lullabies to paralyzed songs for the death than the last three albums they released. Yep. I think that's why I'm a big fan of it. Okay, awesome. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll definitely check it out. But, um, yeah, that is a hard-hitting and tough question, Tim. It's a tough question, especially for a man in your position and what you do for your your uh, your job supporting all these musicians. You've got to be careful you don't upset someone. I'm surprised you didn't say Palace of the King, mate. I'm quite upset. <laughs> <laughs> Queens of the Stone oh. are one of my favourite bands too, by the way. So they're, 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 I don't get much time to listen to music these days, so... I don't know how that's slipped my mind. I've got to get get on Spotify and have a listen. Well, you know what I think it is, Tim, given how much great music has been released this year. I don't think that anyone would blame you for missing it because there's been that much released in 2023. I think we've all missed releases easily. Yeah, yeah, you're probably right, mate. You're probably right. I think a lot of there was a lot of backlog through the through the pandemic time and I think a lot of people held off releasing and now everyone's putting records out all at the same time. Mm. I, I, I'm actually, I'll admit this, this is a bit of a shock probably to people. I'm actually struggling to keep up at the moment, actually. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, there you go. Well, and you have to keep up in your line of work. I mean, yesterday, everyone's like, oh, have you checked out this? Have you checked out that? I've only checked out, like, five releases yesterday. There's been about 100. Oh, God. Yeah, right. Well, I'm, I'm just glad Palace of the King found its way onto your radar through Glenn, mate. Yeah, and they will stay on my radar for many years to come, Tim. Oh, I can I guarantee it, you that. Oh, thank you very much, mate. And we really do appreciate the support, and thanks for, thanks for having me on. No, I've loved every minute. I'm glad we've got actually a good chunk of it as well, considering what's happened at the start of the interview. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe I was bumping it with my cheek or something and leaving the meeting. I don't know what I, what was going on, but it was weird. No. Um, can I just 
clarify something also, Tim. You're not the first um, guest to have that happen where it's disconnected many times. Oh, so okay. Right. You're not the first one, so don't worry. Oh, <laughs> so. thanks. I'll, 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 I'll sleep tonight and I won't get too stressed about it. No. Well, I won't stress because I've had the best fucking time. Pardon my language. I know I shouldn't be swearing on this, but it's it's true what I'm saying. I've loved every minute with Tim and everyone I've interviewed over the years. I mean, oh, that's awesome, Sam. Thanks, mate. I mean, thanks you again for being it, a supporter. Yeah, nah. And you guys make it so easy. Like, there's some interviews where I get on them like, I'm actually nervous as anything, like, because I don't know this person. And within two minutes, like, within two minutes of today's interview, I knew, no, nah, this is going to be all good and um, very down-to-earth. So, I mean, it just makes my job 50 billion times easier when you guys are so easy to chat to. Absolutely, mate. No, I totally get it. It's not, not always easy when you're trying to draw blood from a stone. Mm. Well, as much as I'd love this to just continue and continue and continue, Tim, I probably actually should let you go so you don't miss your boarding. Yeah, thanks, mate. <laughs> yeah, I better go. I better go get on my plane. But um, thanks once again, Tim, from Palace of the King, for being on the podcast, and we can check you out on all platforms. Or That's all... right, mate. Yeah, all platforms, and we're even going to have vinyl available early next year. Oh, wow. That's exciting. Yep, look out absolutely. for that, everyone. Yeah, look out for it and uh, come along to the gigs in December if you can. Yeah. All the tour dates and, and everything are obviously on our socials and our website. Sounds good. And you will hear Tear It Down on part two of the music as well. So if you haven't heard Palace of the King, you will at the end of the day. Easily. Nah, there you go. If you like it, come along to the gig and we'll see you there. No worries, Tim. Well, thanks once again for a great chat. And I'd have Tim from Palace of the King back on the podcast anytime. Easily. No, that's unreal. Thanks, Sam. No worries. Enjoy your flights back to Melbourne, is it? Off to Sydney now. And then oh, um, off to Sydney. <laughs> and then off to New Caledonia tomorrow to join Rock the Boat and then doing some gigs on Rock the Boat back to Australia. Oh, wow. That sounds like a very busy schedule. Very busy, mate, all over the place. I got to. I love it. It's the way I love it. Uh, oh, that's very passionate and someone who loves their job. You can see it. That's right, mate. No, it's all good. And uh, we'll catch you on uh, Monday the 18th at Shot Kickers for the Palace of the King gig. Sounds good, uh, Tim. Right. And. Uh, I'll probably talk to you before then, but I won't see you until the 18th of December, obviously. All right. No, that sounds great, Sam. No worries. Enjoy the rest of your Saturday, Tim. Yeah, you too, Sam. Thanks, mate, and thanks again for the support. No worries at all. Anytime. Okay, bye. Bye.